0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. Part two of our marketing series, I am excited to welcome to the podcast, Doug from Health Content and Brittany from Pack Health. Both have extensive and unique backgrounds and entries into marketing, and we have a great conversation about everything sales, marketing, and also to the benefits of marketing and patient care. Enjoy. Welcome to part two of the marketing podcast uh, and excited to welcome Brittany and Doug to the podcast. So we'll start with you, Brittany. Uh, introduce yourself um, and then would love to understand uh, from both of you kind of uh, your, your journey into marketing.
1: Yeah, my name is Brittany vino Weisong. I am the director of marketing at Pack Health. Uh, we are a Quest Diagnostics company. So, my journey into marketing. um, So, I work in a faculty when we were a startup, and so we were acquired. Um, But my journey actually started way earlier. You know, it was kind of like scoping out my career, where we want to do. Um, I originally started out as a graphic designer. That was like my focus. I was like, I'm going to be a graphic designer. I'm, I'm here for it. And um, so went through, uh, unfortunately, my college did not have a graphic design program. So we had to deviate into a communications program with a focus in graphic design. Um, kind of fast forward a few years, I went and got my master's in public health and really kind of saw the possibilities of a whole new industry that I didn't even know about, which was healthcare marketing. So I originally actually prior to working in my current role was in the higher ed area for a really long time. And there is a lot of marketing components that had kind of come into play with that. Uh, and So I was doing a lot of collegiate marketing in healthcare before I transitioned into the digital health space. Um, And now I've been in this area for about five years leading up the marketing for a patient engagement platform. So it's been kind of a, just a journey through different areas of public health and graphic design marketing. I still do graphic design. Still love it. Definitely a huge transferable skill. 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, but that's how I got here.
0: Novel. Well, welcome. And uh, it's quite a journey, right? Uh, to be able to go there. And then you had some started experience. And then you kind of had the, uh, the the acquired experience. So excited to dig in on some of those uh, as as we talk here. Um, and over to you, Doug. Uh, w- welcome to the podcast. And introduce yourself to the listeners.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love. I felt like every marketer has some weird meandering path to how we got here um my i'm no different so you know i in my previous life i was a a professional country music songwriter and uh wrote a bunch of songs toured made albums all that stuff and uh and as i started transitioning out i started looking back on on what i what else i might be able to do and uh i realized that i had actually a lot of marketing skills that i learned kind of through osmosis and music and uh and also you know music isn't always super lucrative so you occasionally have to take a job or two here and there and and i looked back and there was a pattern there so i got started uh during that time in in marketing and in healthcare at the same time when i worked for a radiation oncology uh, company out of houston and i built their their inside sales department there they'd never done inside sales and had a, a product that was a little bit not not performing the way they wanted to see it and uh but it also wasn't wasn't something that they wanted to To put all the, all the burden onto the field sales rep. So, so they had me, uh, create this and I essentially did like a super manual one to one ABM campaign. And, uh, and it was, it was really successful. It it did well. I loved it. So I fell in love with the whole process at that point and and I subconsciously never looked back. So from there, I went to the payer side and worked for a claims appeals processing company where I, my job was to find the, the hyper specialized physicians to review the claims. So that was a cool experience. Got to talk with, uh, got to talk shop with some very specialized physicians about crazy things that i would never heard of. And, uh, yeah. And then I headed up content for an Australian based practice management software platform for allied health clinicians and clinic owners. And that was super cool because, uh, as an American writing for an Australian company with an audience, that's, I mean, they had a hundred different countries on their audience list, but, uh, mostly AU and UK. So, uh, all my spelling and, and grammar had to change and I changed it on my phone too. So like even my text messages would come through as Australian and my family's like, Doug, are you sure you're a writer? I don't know if this is right for you, you know? Uh But yeah, you know, lots of freelance <laughs> and uh, and everything in between and after. And it was after that I saw a big uptick in the demand for for health tech companies needing content work. So I, I created health tech content and uh, yeah, and just haven't looked back. So now we work with Primarily to startups, but also larger organizations with new products and things that they're pushing. And, uh, and we help dial in the positioning and the messaging and build that foundational groundwork to make sure that their content's effective and, and really going to get the ROI that they're looking for without having to make, you know, two or three years of wrong turns and dead ends. So that's where we are. Well.
0: Well, welcome, Doug. And that's, uh, that, that, that is, that's quite a unique, uh, experience and, in, in foray from country music. Uh, you know, I, I, I've sang Luke Bryan at karaoke from time to time and I learned that that was not my <laughs> career path. So uh, sales is is definitely where we're going to start it. So, um, well, welcome. So we're going to start off the first segment. Um, you know, one of the unique things about, uh, healthcare, right. Is, uh, you know, being able to see how some of this marketing impacts, you know, both patients and clinicians, right. So first segment, um, and I'll start with you, Doug, actually is the patient and clinician impact, right. So, you know, we'd love for you to just kind of share how that marketing or content ha- has impacted the front lines.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Uh, It's wildly impactful. I I feel like, Um, well, I feel like it has the potential to be wildly impactful when it's done correctly. And and in my view, my my current hypothesis is that we could do a better job of sharing the personal experiences that people are having, Uh, the patients, the clinicians, even even the admins, the lab techs. You're like, what are they really going through on a day to day basis? And help share that story with others, shine a spotlight on it, so that we can all see are our commonalities you know not the least of which is is our shared humanity and the struggles that we're going going through in a system that uh is broken in a lot of ways and so if we can bring that empathy out i think it it will it will help marketing in all sorts of ways you know even even in b2b marketing like there's there's a lot of room for emotion and if you can tap into that and in, in a real way and not just not just that surface level, like, oh, I have empathy for my audience. I understand their pain points. But like really dialing into the details. And and even if you don't use them in, in content, for example, if you're not putting it out there publicly, to have that that knowledge internally, I, I think could be really impactful. So I think it's really important to to get those, those stories, get that information, and then use it for the greater good. And I have a soft spot for patients, especially like, how can we help them? Get through whatever it is they're they're struggling with, whether it's the actual diagnosis or the treatment, or paying their bills or whatever. So, I'm, yeah, I'm no, sure I really like that. Question, and, hopefully,
0: no, it's 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 perfect, right? And I and I like what you said. You know, specific everybody. You know, especially in you know startups or big companies, right? Like you know, give me from a sales give me give me a case study, give me this that another patient testimonial. But you know, I really like what you said on um you know kind of creating some real content about everybody else that's involved in that right and 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 help right. elevate the system so um what about over to you Brittany? i know you've had you know lots of different experiences working um kind of with with multiple different you know stakeholders but uh what what stands out to you on on the kind of a patient or clinician impact
1: yeah so i kind of did some like I'm, i've been doing some soul searching about this one particularly um and just because like you know as marketers you know we naturally want to tell the best stories like we want to tell all the we want to tell all the good stories we naturally like look for all of these kind of different stories when we are you know in our daily work when you know we see news articles we see just like you know, comments in our daily business we we automatically look for the story um and i think of just like when we're talking about the patient impact And the like impact on healthcare workers, it is really marketing's job to highlight those stories. Like that is our role is to not necessarily create the story, but highlight the story and present it in the best way possible. Because, you know, there's so many stories that I feel like just get like lost in the shuffle. And there's just like so many daily patient experiences because like everyone's day to day is their own story. And it's unique to them. It's important to them and it matters in how they are experiencing the entire healthcare system. And when we're all living on that kind of granular level, but there's a whole big system making, you know, really the, the choices for our healthcare, there's no way that everybody's going to be able to see that, that they're not going to have visibility on those individ- individual level stories. And it's really easy for, you know, the world or, you know, the decision makers to become really desensitized to those individual level stories. So I think as marketers, it's really our job to, you know, bring those stories to life, give those and take the knowledge that we have about how people receive information to better highlight those stories. Because like, some people, some big decision makers, you know, they may not be even aware of the extent of, of the problems that exist without marketing. you know without the way that, that without making sure those the articles and you know the case studies and the white papers and the videos that they get pushed to their inbox, it's really you know just a place and time thing to make sure that those stories are highlighted.
0: Yeah, I really like that. And, and, and I know both you guys, you know, so we, we have a lot of um, you know, people and listeners that kind of come from the startup, right? So I, I would love for you both just to touch upon, maybe you could start, Brittany, on like tactically, like what have you seen the best approach to kind of creating that when it doesn't, you know, creating some of those you know, stories and content um, you know, from, from patients or clinicians, like what's the best way to go about it when it doesn't exist, right? Um, and, and, and you're truly at that startup ground level stage.
1: Yeah. So I have been in the position like during my time working in startups as being, you know, a department of one of being a department with, you know, no marketing budget and being a department of just like trying to, you know, really highlight these stories that you feel like are so fundamentally important. And you're like, and it can be so defeating when you're, you know, you, you're like, this is it. This is like, this feels the emotion. Um, and it doesn't get, you know, like the results that you're looking for. You're just like, oh my God, did I cry? Yes, I cried. Um, so I don't necessarily can't say if I know like what's like the absolute best tactic, because it really depends on the situation in which you are, um, the situation that you're in and, you know, what kind of stories that you're telling, um, But I think that as much authenticity and honesty that you can bring into your stories is really important because we're all trying to find the balance of because like not every story is going to be perfect. Like we're all looking for that story that is going to make our obviously make our company look as best as it can possibly can possibly look. But you can't necessarily always, you know, you can't always just expect the story to come to you without, you know, maybe there's, maybe there isn't an area that you didn't, that you didn't have the most success in. So maybe if you're trying to improve a health outcome, for example, maybe you impacted three measures really well, but you didn't impact one really well. I think it's really important to, you know, keep that, keep that authenticness in there. You know, we're not here to solve every single problem with every single story, but it can almost You know, have a negative result if you're like, we've cared, we've done all the things and we've brought all the best things, but, and there's been no problems with it. So I think making sure that you're just like being really conscientious about choosing the stories that are the great ones, um, that are going to bring the motion, that are going to bring the feels, that are going to really, you know, match with your brand's values and what you're trying to put out into the world. Um, and not trying to solve all the world's problems with every single one you put out there.
0: Yeah, no, I really like that because I think that there could be an element of uh, you almost too good to be true, right? And yeah. um, then people start asking some of those you know, questions and then questions lead to other questions. And then all of a sudden yeah. you've uh, defeated the purpose. What about you, Doug? This Have you here? seen, you know, oh, go ahead, Brady.
1: I was just going to say, I know just from my own experience of just like, you know, the fear of failure when you're doing early startup marketing can be really, can sometimes be super overwhelming when you're trying to do all the things. So, um, just stay, stay the authentic line.
2: Yeah, I, I was, I, I struggle to find anything I disagree with there, but like you're spot on. <laughs> and so I'm just going to piggyback on, on your response here with, you know, one of the you're right. It depends. There's no there's no one right tactic. It, it just depends on what you're doing, what your goals are, what your company is, all that stuff. Um, but I, I, one of the ways that I think you can add authenticity, or at least one of the ways I'm exploring here recently, is uh, is actually adding adding in uh, patient quotes or or whoever in user quotes, you know, and and putting their language like into whatever the content is, even if it's social posts, a white paper, you know, web copy, whatever. That it's it's their words, and we're not just telling. Telling the reader what it is, like the, the actual person is. So it's almost sort of like a testimonial, but but baking it into whatever the format is so that it doesn't it doesn't get glossed over like just another testimonial, but it's it's part of you know in line with what they're reading. Um I I have felt the the pains that you were describing, Brittany, when things don't work out. And and definitely I've felt that with this tactic even. So Like early on, man, I bombed so hard. I'm not going to get into details because it'll make me cry. And I don't want to do that on your podcast, Josh. But, uh, but yeah, you know, like, but I think that there, there's, there's a way to make it work. If we can weave it in subtly and make it feel, feel natural and, and really come across well. And I think that's, that could be a good way to deliver authenticity uh, and, and help people connect with what we're trying to say.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um and so we're going to we're going to switch up here to the next segment and I'm sure both of you guys had, you know, deep experience um, you know, on here, right? So one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring on some marketing leaders, right, is uh, you know, the age-old uh, you know, back and forth uh between sales and marketing, right? And so um uh, we're going to focus here on, you know, fun segment called top 10, bottom 10, so but really what we're looking for is uh kind of your best and worst experiences uh working uh, with with sales, right? And um, what what were some of those, you know, good good learnings, and maybe some not so good uh, le- learning experiences? So I'll start with you, Brittany. Uh, whichever one you want to start with.
1: So. so I think like there's you know there's like the 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 dailies of the things that are like okay this is like very frustrating and like the most I would say like the dailies of the frustrating are things like you are you get on a call with somebody and you're like wow this is a completely new deck never have seen this one before like this was organically created and completely out of brand that is like (laughs) Really, really soul crushing because you're like, Oh wow, I'm so happy. I just spent, you know, so much time working on these things for you to completely reconfigure it. That's, that's good times. Um, and so I guess like my worst one and I am going to, uh, the best, the worst one I can think of is I had is there was a, I was on a sales call and I think the, the person forgot, didn't review. maybe didn't review the deck that they were they were talking about this isn't a past life so like don't worry about this but like don't nobody try and figure it out but there was a data piece that was very 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 poorly misinterpreted um it was talking about conversion rates and it was saying that there was a conversion rate that was ages higher than the conversion rate for which we were currently saying and obviously this was in print writing and so trying to talk that down later was really, was, was quite the challenge. Um, luckily it was just like, okay, you just had to own up to it and be like, you know, this was like a mistake that was said. And so, which was just, it was hard to watch. Um, so from developing it and spending so much time on it, that was super frustrating, but I mean, it's, it happens. And so that was, I would definitely take it as a lesson learned though. is just like, okay, um, when we're Making sure that we're, when we're using data, we need to be really, really, we need to be really focused on reviewing this ahead of time um, to make sure that it's nothing's going out. Um, But on the good side, so yes. I'm a graphic designer too. So anything reg- regarding like, you know, brand and everything makes my skin crawl. If I see something with the wrong fonts or the wrong color blue, um, yes, that literally will ruin my day. Fonts make me very emotional. I'm just kidding. But there are also, I would say like on the flip side... I don't necessarily know if I have a best story for sales because like, you know, when you remember the bad memories, like what traumatized me? And there hasn't been any good memories that have like traumatized me so it hasn't like stuck out of my brain too much. But I will say that there are like moments, especially when sales really steps up and recognizes the value of marketing. So like, because I mean, like, you know, look at everything that's happening and like the whole tech world right now. A lot of the layoffs and everything are really, they're impacting marketing. They're sub- impacting the support services that are impacting sales, in, which is just really, it can sometimes feel a little convoluted to me. Um, marketing brings in a lot of opportunities to make more sales. So I think that my best experiences have really been you know, salespeople recognizing that value, you know, recognizing that important and seeing it as more of a, as a need to have and a need to have that partnership, um, rather than a nice to have or an afterthought.
0: Yeah, no, I, also we love salespeople. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I, I I, I think I think I think if you just drop somebody into like a true call it you know seed series A like a true startup right where nothing has been created right I mean you know then it's it's a little bit you know whether you appreciate it or not right you know you don't want. Josh to be making any PowerPoints, right? And vice versa. But, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, it's, it's always easier to say, you know, what, what we don't have or what we could have in the future. Right. Um, So I, I, I completely agree. And um, I w- we'll, we'll keep it, you know, whether I've ever used, uh you know, band, uh, band slides or band decks, you know, we'll keep that between, uh you know, between, <laughs> between you and I. So uh, what, what about, what
2: about, what about you, Doug? Over to you. Yeah, man, I, I think I feel like a weird marketer because I don't I don't have a beef against sales. Um you know, like for I've done sales, i I think I told you like I've done door-to-door sales. I, I don't think you get more brutal than that, right? So like there's some mm-hmm. there's some shared experience, I think, but but for me, like when I got started with that radiation oncology med device company, like like I I was creating tools for sales. Like it was it was my job to open up the door for the field reps. And so from, from day one, it's, it's been hand in hand with sales for me. And, and I, I can give an example of best of worst just from, just from that first experience where, and the worst was, uh, was on my end where like my, my KPIs and, and what impacted, you know, my commissions was very different from sales. And so, you know, if I hit my numbers, I was good. I was, I was happy about that, but it didn't always translate to, to being as beneficial as it should be for sales. and uh and i had i had a philip call me up and we had a good long talk about it and he explained to me like how it how it it impacted him what it was like on his end and how you know i could help him better while still hitting my numbers and feeling good about my work and so that was you know i i was the worst but then he stepped up and and gave me a good uh a good a good opportunity to learn and to grow and so that's something that i've just carried with me always and and now in my work i mean it's i work with a lot of founders and sales leaders, like to create what they need, and I don't know. It just feels really natural. Like, I I don't I I just feel like we should all work together, anyways, right? I don't understand why so many why there's so much divisiveness. It's all the same team, and and I don't view anybody as being more important. It's is we all got to join together if it's if it's actually going to work, anyway.
1: I agree with that. That definitely is like I know. There's like always been, especially with you know, like the meme accounts and everything. It's very like sales against marketing and they are funny, but it is true that it's like, you know, I work with really, really great sales now, which is awesome. And having, but you feel like one can't exist without the other. So it's really important for those two things to coexist and just have processes that make everybody's life easier. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And getting by of those unique- processes
0: too. Oh, yeah. No, no, completely agree. And I think what I've seen, particularly in the startup, right, is, you know, you have varying levels of, um, you know, bottleneck, right? Because sometimes you have a founder and I'm sure, Doug, you've seen it. You have a founder that's married to, you know, a logo, right? Or a certain slide and, you know, in in, in getting he or she to you know try to ad- adapt or change that, right? You know, so there's certain levels. And I think sometimes too, it's hard because, you know, as a salesperson, it's like, hey, I need a one pager. Why can't we just produce a one pager? But then on the back end, it's like, well, hey, we've had this one pager ready to go, served up, and it's just waiting for sign off, right? Uh, and so that sign off could be one person, it could be four people, and you know, kind of as you grow, sometimes I think those, uh, you know, t- that, that's typical of any growing company, right? But I think particularly, you know, in marketing, you know, I've seen that this goes out to the world, right? So you know, when you're thinking about that early brand, it's almost like you know, a, a perfection you know, can't be, you, you can't have perfection because then nothing's going to get out, right? I'm sure you guys have seen firsthand. Um, and then uh, switching gears here a little bit, you guys touched on it. But um, when you think about the metrics, um, you know, we'll do a little math time uh, segment. And so I'll start with you, Doug, what are kind of, you know, the one or two key metrics uh, that, that, that you see uh, being the most impactful in your day to day?
2: I always go back to revenue. Like it's, you know, if marketing and sales are together, then then revenue should matter to marketers. Um, and that, that's just the way I view it. But there's all kinds of different things you look at, depending on what the goals are for a campaign or or for, you know, a specific thing that you're creating. Um, you know, so maybe it's MQLs, maybe it's click throughs, you know, whatever. But but to me, like I, I maybe it's just because I enjoy big picture stuff, but like with enough time and this also because of content, you know, like content's a slow game. So it, it takes time and and I sort of enjoy that. It gives me a chance to to stay in the big picture uh with that kind of thing. And and uh yeah, if, if I'm not helping to grow revenue, then I'm not doing something right. And uh that's that's always kind of my bottom line, so to speak.
0: Yeah, no, I really like that. And then I'm I'm curious, you know, how um how you've seen either with your own work or, you know, working with, you know, other, other organizations, how, how, how have you seen kind of marketing be able to, you know, own, own that number, so to speak, right. Or what are some, you know, some good examples to be able to, you know, kind of branch out that content, but then at least be able to, you know, who cares who gets the credit, right. But just being able mm-hmm. to uh, re- really kind of quantify that. Cause I think that that's, that's the challenge mm-hmm. a lot of organizations have.
2: Yeah, man, great question. Uh, I, for right or wrong. The way I look at it is, uh, especially when I'm working with, with startups and, and trying to help the sales leaders there, you know, I, I look at content marketing as a sales enablement. And so, you know, what, what are the goals here that we're trying to reach? Here's how we're going to do it. This, you know, and, and we'll create like a content plan that's very much uh, focused on distribution, all focused toward the sales, right? So um, if, it, if it starts with outreach and we're going to create, you know, an email sequence and then within that EGLE sequence, email sequence, they're going to click through to a sales sheet or to a landing page, whatever. And there's, there's different steps along the way, but it's all, you know, you're not always able to create that cohesive project in that way. But, but when you can, I think it's, it's really, uh, a great way to measure the impact of, of marketing, because if you're not getting the click-throughs, if you're not getting the, the whatevers, you can see where things are falling through and, and you can try to fill those gaps and that's marketing's job, right? So, uh, but if but if revenue is gone, if the numbers are looking good on the back end, then then, yeah, you, you've got it right. And I and you have a clear kind of path to how it all happened.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And and, and Brittany, what about you uh, when you look at and, and maybe touching on um, if it changed? Right. So you know, the key metrics that kind of define your day-to-day success and, and maybe putting your startup hat on, or now that you're uh, kind of, you know, we're, we're, acquired and, 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 with the bigger company, you know, do those, do those change.
1: What the heck? Okay. I just froze. Do you, am I back in action? Back in action. Okay. Sorry. I didn't, I don't, I didn't hear the last half of your question. And it froze, but, uh, If you have it again, that would be great.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. One, one, one or two key metrics that kind of define, um, you know, your success. But I'm super interested in maybe, you know, if that changed, or from a startup perspective to now with a bigger company, um, and kind of, you know, talk about that change.
1: Mm -hmm. So, I think that probably when I think about you know, there's a lot of different metrics that you use for every different kind of campaign. But when it comes down to like things that you always want to be conscientious of is just your return on investment, the return on investment. And it's not just the financial financial return on investment, um, but the financial return on investment, obviously is super important. You know, um, sometimes I think people think of like, you know, marketing is like, we're just, you know, spending lots of dollars on LinkedIn ads, um, but you are doing so much more than that. And so it can be, you know, you have to really be conscientious of the amount of effort that you're putting into the campaigns, um, and all of the different factors on the long-term value of the campaign that you're doing. So it can be things like how replicable your campaign is or something that is going to be maybe p- producing like, you know, a passive outcome in the long term. Maybe it's a consistent email drip that, you know, every person drops into and it, you know, they can funnel through that so they can continue to nurture your leads, you know, nurture your leads while you sleep um, versus just kind of send out list blast emails over and over. So it's, that. And it's also, you know, recognizing the capacity and the time and the mental energy and the strategy time that you are doing that make sure they check all the business outcomes. Um, but making sure that you're also, you know, doing the right kind of outreach at the right time. So um, I would say return on investment of your overarching marketing strategy is really important to measure. So you because, you know, I'm, I'm an idea person. I see a marketing opportunity literally everywhere. I could work 20 hours a day and still have, you know, there could still be so many things to do. And I have found, I would say like from kind of like leading into your next question is that was really something that I would say measuring that return on investment as a department of 1 now we're a department of 7 was that's been a that's been a big definitely a transition because um, you know, with startups, sometimes there can be a lot of different like shifting business priorities. Um, sometimes it can feel like, you know, there isn't necessarily always like the clearest of directions and really making sure that you're staying the course on the on those kind of metrics, like where you're investing your marketing efforts, because when you're, you know, maybe a smaller group, it can be those can be very, um you could not have a ton of resources. So you have to be really, really intentional about how you use them. Obviously, that's something that we are still really intentional about as we've grown. Um, but I think that now that's been definitely a development process is being really and being more aware of what that return on investment looks like and being more um, strategic in the way that we're measuring it
0: yeah no and i think that you know with 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 everything from an investment perspective you know even selling into right it's it's top of mind you know for for the customers um but the even internally right is is being able to you know, you can't attend all the trade shows, right? Um, as we're going back to in person, um, you can't do all the campaigns, right? So picking the picking and choosing the right good ones, and um, you know, in this this one to you, Brittany, I'm interested. Like, what have you found uh, for this segment from a tech booster perspective? Like, what what have you found? You know, maybe a tool or a couple of tools that um you couldn't live without in your day to day to day marketing.
1: There's a lot of tools that are probably like specific to our organization that I. I would like we use all the time, and I really like, absolutely love them. Um, and that's like things we use Jira as a project management tool, and I absolutely love it. It's um, it helps us kind of really you know it, it make sure that nothing slips through the cracks, which I really like. Uh, but like I would say, my new one that has saved me a lot of time, and I'm sure this isn't news to anybody, but I've been using Chat GPT a lot, um, and it's a great. So, but I use it for I would say not just be like I don't use it just for I use it for a lot of different things. Um, like you can ask chat, G- chat chat GPT really truly anything. Um, and so sometimes I'll just like ask questions of things that may if I'm like writing something, I'm like, how could this be interpreted by chat GPT or things just you know any kind of like that. But I've used it a lot for you know if I need a quick a quick you know idea boost for subject lines or maybe like a quick you know intro to starting paragraph. Um, There's a whole there's a lot of, you know, copywriting tools that are available for that. But um, I've definitely liked exploring with it. The other one that I've consistently used for a few years is the uh, online story brand template. And so that has really helped, you know, us our team stay accountable to the same storyline um, to the same value you know value positioning that you're providing. Um, that can be super easy to deviate from. So making sure that you're staying consistent with that. I'm always looking back at it, um, looking at the prompts and thinking through you know maybe if we're we have something new or we need to you know you know gut check our positioning that we're referring back to that. Um, it's like an interactive tool that I really like.
0: No, all those are really. I, I love the being able to track back to that kind of consistent messaging, right? Because I think that there's good portions of whether you're startup or big company, right? But um, you have to be able to at least track that over time, right? And some of those changes. What about you, Doug? Um, from a tech stack perspective, right? As, as as kind of your your own your own company, and I'm sure it's uh, kind of piecing together. But uh, what, what what's what's been impactful in your role?
2: Yeah, you know, I've, I'm in a similar similar boat. You know, there's like the common marketing things, I use them too, and they're good. And um, I haven't tried Jira. I might take a look at that. Um, been using Asana. It's all right. It gets the job done. But I'll, I'll check out Jira. Um, my my favorite is is not a marketing tool at all. Um, it's uh, Loom. I use the hell out of Loom all day, every day. Hmm. Like because it It could take me twenty minutes to write a dang email, and that is not okay. Like, there's no reason it should take me so long to write an email. But like, you want to make sure your response is just right, and that you're not like, accident, you know, like, gonna misinterpret something on accident, or or that someone misinterprets you. And so, so yeah, I, I lose use Loom, and and it's been really really helpful to help provide that that additional context and save me a bunch of time, keep people from you know having hurt feelings, myself included. I'm a sensitive guy. Uh, and uh, and now they do transcripts and little summaries too so it's super quick and easy and you can you know double time the playback, and everybody wins no i
0: really i really i really like loom and i remember you know particularly when um you know when when covid was a thing when in person wasn't even remotely possible right that's kind of where um you know it was it was about as uncomfortable as you can be right you're hearing your own voice and then You know, seeing yourself and and doing that, but it was super impactful, right? To be able to connect, particularly in healthcare, right? When, you know, even if you wanted to, right? You you couldn't get in to see some of these doctors. So being able to connect, add some of your own personality, right? Um, And and being able to do that was, was, was super impactful. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, with gong and all that, I've I've gotten keenly aware of my own voice, right? Because being a first sales hire, it's you know, it's it's my voice on all the sales calls for the first you know six months. So I've just gotten comfortable <laughs> with the uncomfortable of uh hearing my own voice, right? And so um round well, rounding out in our final um kind of our final segment is would love for you to just kind of describe and a quick plug for um you know your current company and then um would love to uh, any, any kind of final predictions on, um, you know, what, what healthcare specific marketing is going to look like kind of, um, as, as we enter, um, this call it post COVID phase. Um, so I'll start with you, Doc
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so health tech content is, is my agency and, and we do messaging, messaging work and content strategy and execution for, you know, health tech startups, which, you know, we're, or you know, large organizations that have new products and things. A lot of times, we work with you know after M and A, help and helping helping merge things together there from a marketing perspective. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to. I don't know where I don't know where it's going for healthcare. I think there are so many, <laughs> so many ways that marketing could go, and I think there's only one good way, in my in my personal opinion. Like people people will make money. Companies will grow, they'll merge together, things will, business will continue as usual and marketing will play a big role in that. But, but for me, like I I have a personal vested desire to see the actual system of healthcare improve and for, for clinicians to enjoy their jobs again and to feel like they're making an impact that matters again. You know, like the reason they got into it in the first place, I want to help recreate that. And, and I want patients to feel like someone cares and they're not just. A diagnosis waiting for someone to come stick them again or wake them up in the middle of the night. You know, like I want, I want it to be better for everybody. And, and I think marketing has a lot of potential there. I think we can, we can somehow join together and there, there may not be a business case for it. I I don't know that there is always, but I don't, I also don't think that that should always be the top priority. So hopefully fingers crossed. Uh, we, we can make a, we can make a difference down the road for folks.
0: Yeah, well said. And I think that um, you know, with, with 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 you guys working on it, um, we're we're well on our way. And what about any final thoughts, Brittany? And then um, you know, quick plug for your kind of current company.
1: Uh, so I'll go with the quick thoughts first. So I think that marketing does a great job of bringing the good stories, um, but we also are doing a good job of highlighting the things that are not so great about the healthcare system. And I think that there's still like, you know, healthcare has been like massively shifting the last, you know, 10, 15 years with the introduction of digital health. And I feel like there's still some, some skepticism about it, especially with some of the like longer term, like organizations that have been in the industry for much, much longer than we have. So I'm really looking forward to the continued adoption of digital health um, and hoping that, you know, marketing can still, can bring up, you know, the problems that exist in the current infrastructure of the healthcare system. So those things, so they aren't replicated in the digital world as well. We see a lot of fragmentation between, you know, in-person kind of care, and it's so easy for that to possibly happen, you know, with digital infrastructure. But I know, but now that we have so much, you know, we have so many channels to spread this message, we have so much data to build off of that we can take that information and make a better care system that improves the infrastructure and just really does improve healthcare as a whole. Um, so for PacHealth, so PacHealth, we are a patient engagement platform. We're also a Quest Diagnostics company. So with PacHealth, you know, we know that chronic conditions create a huge burden across the healthcare system, you know, for individuals and organizations alike. There's so many things that need to be done to manage a chronic condition for an individual. You know, there's so many metrics that need to be improved across healthcare organizations. There's not enough infrastructure and, you know, clinician support you know, to make it happen. There's just so much to do. It can be, you know, it can be really overwhelming. And everybody's unique circumstances and barriers create these unique challenges to overcome. And that's where Health comes in. So we provide simple one-to-one health coaching through phone texts and emails, and we cover uh, nearly 25 chronic conditions, not an app. It's all communicated in a way that is, you know, the ways that we communicate with our friends, like you're working with a trusted friend every member of pack health is paired with a personal health advisor they work with over the course of 12 weeks to help them manage their condition uh, and stay on track with their treatment plans you know it's really our belief that managing your health shouldn't have to feel so hard and helping your population to make a change shouldn't be- feel so hard either so with pack health there's a better way to better health
0: thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast special thanks to doug and Brittany for joining and sharing some of their knowledge and make sure to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get podcasts and follow along on the newsletter to make sure you get updated all of your sales and digital health resources. Stay tuned next week as I talk to some leaders outside of healthcare and in the SaaS space and marketing as we continue our marketing series. Thanks again.